0: let's open in prayer. Father, you are uh, so much above us that we can in no way get our minds around you, but you have revealed truth about yourself to us in your word. And we see in that word what a great and awesome God you are. We come tonight before you, just as uh, as sojourners and strangers, Lord, uh, to look at your Word that was written thousands of years ago, and uh, Lord, see how what it means for us today. See how it teaches us about you and about how we should live before you today. So, just be with us in these next few minutes. Thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in uh, chapter 35 of uh, Exodus tonight, so if you'll turn to chapter 35. uh, It's not a very long chapter. I'm going to read the whole thing, uh, and then we'll get to it. And I'm I'm committed to being out of here by seven because my wife's working in the nursery tonight. I would be there if if I wasn't teaching, and uh, I'm... Pretty sympathetic. After at about five or ten after those babies start getting hungry and tired and they start crying. So I'm gonna I'll do my best to get us out of here by seven. Uh I'm gonna read chapter thirty-five. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, I'm gonna stop there just for a second and give you an aside. Whenever it says that Moses assembled all the congregation of Israel, we have to realize what that really means. If you go back to Exodus 12, 37. When they left Egypt, it says there were 600,000 men besides women and children, okay? That was the Israelites, and they had a bunch of hangers on going with them too. So, you know, there was well over a million people, uh, well over a million, okay? So, when it says that Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel, he's talking about a very large crowd of people, okay? Just, Just to let you know, just to give you an idea of what this was like. And he said to them, "'These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day.' Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, "'This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from from among you a contribution to the Lord.'" Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the ephod, for the breast, and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its hooks, and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles, and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence. The lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the, and the, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. The altar of the burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screens for the gate of the the court, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in, in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests." Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linens or goat's hair or tan ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a, made a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman sp- spun with her hands and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and the fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair, and the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord." Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of or Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach, both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahisamach." of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in, <clears throat> in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Okay, so this chapter is about the preparations to build the, the, uh, the tabernacle. Okay, so we're going to go back and just have some review questions here and I want to let you all know if you want me to move along And get us out of here by 7. You're going to have to participate and answer when I ask you questions. Okay. So, what was the tabernacle? Okay. It was was a house of God. Okay. Who gave the instructions for building it? God. Okay. And who did He give the instructions to? Moses. Okay. When did God give the instructions to Moses? Moses. Okay? And how long was he up there? Forty days and forty nights, okay? Uh, We know about the Israelites' great sin, how when Moses was on the mountain, they built the golden calf, uh, and when Moses came down, he threw the tablets that he brought down that God had written on the the, uh, testimony. He threw them down and broke them. Uh, We know that uh, then the uh, Levi, sons of Levi were sent out with their swords and they killed about 3,000 men uh, of Israel uh, for the for the sin of building the golden calf and worshiping it and going, they, they actually were living, uh, breaking out in a binge of riotous and lewd behavior. And so it was more than just the calf, it was the, their overall uh, demeanor. And then uh, we know that the Lord told Moses he would send an angel before the people, okay, but he wasn't going to go with them. And to this the people responded I mean they were devastated by this and and so Moses went and interceded with God and and prayed to God that he would uh, go with them and God relented and he renewed the covenant and he uh, Moses pre- uh, made new tablets with the Ten Commandments on them okay and this so we're to this point here okay we're now to the point where uh, they're going to uh, get ready to, to build the tabernacle okay so What's the very first thing that Moses tells them that God said to do? The very first thing that he says. He has there to observe the Sabbath, right? Okay, and what happens if you don't observe the Sabbath? You're put to death, okay? Yeah, uh, you know, there were three times prior to this that God gave instructions about the Sabbath. Uh, The first was in Exodus chapter 16 when he gave the manna. Do you remember how the Sabbath was to be observed with regard to the manna? Huh? Um, Okay, so what were they supposed to do? Yeah, they were supposed to collect... The day before, they were supposed to collect twice as much as normal, okay? And and so... uh, They weren't supposed to go out of their houses on the Sabbath to to collect manna, okay? So they were supposed to stay inside, okay? It was a day of of rest, okay? Solemn rest, okay? The second time he gave them instructions regarding the Sabbath was when he gave the Ten Commandments, okay? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then the third time was in Exodus 23, 12, where he talked about the fact that in six days you do your work, and on the seventh day you rest on the Sabbath. And then he gave Moses the instructions in chapter 31 to tell the people about the sabbath and that they must keep it or or else they should they would die okay and uh <clears throat> do you know why what was the what was the deal with the sabbath what was why was it so important he made it holy and it was what was the significance of it though okay it was a day of rest let's look back at chapter 31 real quick Okay, and in chapter 31, uh, starting in verse 12, he goes, he starts talking about the Sabbath. Okay? And he says, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Okay? And then he says, uh, Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. The Sabbath was a covenant, okay? It was something that set the people of Israel apart from everybody else, that was a symbol of God's choosing them, okay? And so, that, that's what the Sabbath was. It was a, it was a sign of the covenant. And, and so, God took that very seriously, And so, for an Israelite to break the Sabbath was, in in essence, saying, you know, I disregard the covenant. I just disregard the covenant. I don't have use for it. And so, God was very serious about it. Why do you think, on the verge of them getting ready to build the tabernacle, that Moses would be instructed to reiterate? Because God had already told him a couple other times, you know, three times, as as, as a matter of fact, uh, about... uh, about the sabbath why right before they were going to build the tabernacle why do you think okay okay yeah you're holy you know we want you to be holy and and set apart any anything else Yep. Mhm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Keep your priorities straight, okay? Uh, because as important as a tabernacle was, God's covenant and and and, the, and and keeping the Sabbath was more important. Okay. And it's true. He even said, "Don't you're not even to kindle a fire." In your house, okay? Why do you think he said, don't kindle a fire? Hmm? Okay, if they already had the sticks in their house, so and they kindled the fire, the fire kind of, you know, kindling a fire kind of opens the door to doing other stuff, like cooking. They weren't supposed to cook, okay? Uh, they weren't supposed to work, okay? Uh, if, if they were working on the tabernacle, you know, somebody might kindle a fire and think, hey, I'll just melt down some silver or some gold today while the fire is going and it'll be ready on uh, Sunday, you know, it'll be ready tomorrow when we get ready to go out and uh, we'll just be that much further ahead, you know. So it's right, it's true. It's, it's, it, when you get involved in work, you can become obsessed with your work, even good work, like building the tabernacle, Okay. And it, you can lose your your sense of priority about what's important. How do we do this today? How do we do how do we do something similar today? But obviously we don't have the the severe uh, restrictions on the observing the Sabbath that the Israelites had. Okay, but why? What 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 do we do today that that is similar to this? Okay. Yeah, sometimes we get so involved in our jobs. You know, we let our jobs basically dictate our lives to the point that we neglect the body life, we neglect worship, we neglect shepherding our families. Uh, Turn real quick to uh, see, I've got to find out where I am. Yeah, Luke chapter 10. This is a familiar story. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Story of Mary and Martha. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do everything alone, to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Okay? Was Martha's concern about serving Jesus bad? No. Was anything wrong with being concerned about serving and making sure that, that she put on a good meal and everything? But she missed... The better part, because she was so she was so consumed with the work that she missed the fact that the Son of God was in her home and He was teaching, and she could have benefited from that. Just resting with Jesus, you know, uh, enjoying Him, and sometimes we we become so occupied with things with doing things, with activities, and with good things that we don't enjoy Jesus, okay? Okay, let's move on to, go back to chapter 35. Let's move on to the, to the next part, the contribution. Okay? God commanded him to take up a contribution. So, what's a contribution? What's what do you think of if you think about a contribution? What 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 typifies it? Huh? Everyone's doing their own part, okay? If you're contributing, uh, if it's a, if it's a, when we think of a financial contribution, uh, do we normally think of that as being something that's forced? It's a donation, isn't it? It's more of a it's more of a voluntary thing. And uh and that's what that's what this was. Uh Moses said, you know, uh, the Lord has commanded that we're going to take a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Okay? Whoever is a generous, of a generous heart. Okay. Why do you think you know, God did institute the tithe. Uh, We can look in uh, Leviticus 27, 30 through 33, and Numbers 18, 21 through 26, where God says that, you know, every tenth animal that passes under the rod is mine, okay? That's that's mine, okay? And that tithe… What what actually happened with the tithe, and and also the same thing with the produce, okay, a tenth of the produce. What happened to the tithe? Hmm. Well, it was uh, yes, partly, but it was also given to the Levites. Okay, let's look at uh, Leviticus twenty seven thirty through thirty three real quick. And that's the way this light up here is just terrible. I have to have decent light to be able to read, and it's just it's just on the borderline for me. <clears throat> every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good or bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Okay? So that was the, that's how they instituted the tithe. Now, Numbers uh, 18, 21 through 26 gives some additional information. Okay, to the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, if they do their service in the, in the tent of meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near to the tent of meeting, lest they bear the sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear the their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations, and among the people of Israel, that they shall have no inheritance for the tithe of the people of Israel, which they... Per- present as a contribution to the Lord I have given to the Levites for an inheritance therefore I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel okay all the tribes when they went into the promised land got a piece of land okay there was a an area defined for them to go except the Levites they did not have an inheritance in the land they were the ones that did the service of the temple and so God said, the tithe that you give is going to go to the Levites. That's going to be theirs, okay? So, the the tithe was not optional, okay? The tithe was commanded. It was not optional. It wasn't, the tithe was not given as everybody's heart moved them, okay? The tithe was not optional, okay? But, when it came time for the contribution for the tabernacle, it was, a, it was a voluntary thing. Okay? Why do you think? Why wouldn't God command that, okay, everybody, you're going to bring this much of what's in your household, and you're going to give it, and we're going to enforce that. Okay? Why would, he, why would He do it this way? Why would He just say, everybody who's a, of a willing heart? Everybody whose spirit moves them. Okay. Yeah. It's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. There are some good verses on this related to the generous heart. The first one that came to mind for me was 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Where Paul says, He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Okay, uh, let everyone give uh, according to uh, his heart because God loves a cheerful giver. I, that's that's a very poor uh, quoting of the verse, so I'm going to look it up. I don't want to leave you with that. Uh, Yeah, chapter chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay? So, we are not to give under compulsion, or out of guilt, or out of something. We're, We're to give out of a heart of worship. That's how we're supposed to give. And uh, we give to God because of what He has given us. And because He has given us something that we could never pay back even if we had all the resources of the world. Uh, a good a good example of this is the parable where he talks about the, 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 slur, the servant that owed him 10,000 talents and the, owed the king 10,000 talents and the king forgave the servant. Uh, 10,000 talents was like that was like a billion dollars. I mean, it was almost a billion dollars. It was like you, there was no possible way a slave could pay that kind of money back, okay? And, and he goes out and he finds a fellow slave that owes him about something, maybe about $15,000 in today's terms, okay? And he demands that he pays him, you know? But the, the illustration there can, can point to what we owe God in terms of our debt of sin and our total inability to, to pay for that. Okay, regardless of what we do. <clears throat> so we worship, we give because of what God has done for us, and knowing that we can in no way really repay him. Okay. Uh, a couple of other verses. <clears throat> Proverbs eleven twenty four. Says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. The idea being he gives freely. Okay? And then Psalm 37 21. The wicked borrows but not, does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. So the idea of generosity, okay, goes hand in hand with our relationship to God and our worship of him, okay? Uh, <clears throat> okay, so after the after Moses gave the people the instructions for what they were supposed to do, how did they respond? <clears throat> well... Uh, Five different times uh, in verses 21 through 29, it talks about they, their hearts were stirred, their spirits were moved, all who were of a willing heart, both men and women. I'll just kind of, I'll just read the selected ones. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him brought the, uh, the Lord's contribution, all who were, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. And then all the brooches and all that stuff. Everyone who would make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it. Everyone who possessed acacia wood brought it. Every skillful woman spun with her hands. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goats hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set. All the men and women whose hearts moved them, you know, skipping over, said it brought, brought it as a free will offering as to the Lord. OK? So their hearts moved them. Okay, that's, that was the motivation for the giving. Okay? Now, all these brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and gold objects, where'd those come from? Hmm? Egypt. Yeah. Three different times in Exodus, God told the people that they were to plunder the Egyptians. Okay? And by the time they left... The Egyptians were so glad for them to go. God had It said God gave the people, the Egyptians, uh, the, the Israelites favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. And, man, they gave them all kinds of stuff. They gave them clothing. They gave them gold. They gave them all kinds of jewelry. You know, just all kinds of riches. <clears throat> now, what do you think when the people of Israel were leaving with all this stuff, what might have been going through their mind? What, what might they have thought about all this stuff? You know? Hey. Yeah, that's the Hey man, this is great, you know? <laughs> Look at all this stuff I've got now, you know? Uh it's all mine. And uh uh so they didn't because at that point they didn't have any idea that uh they were going to be building a tabernacle. Okay? What had some of these valuables already been used for? Huh? The golden calf, yeah. Some of, these, some of this gold and, and earrings and stuff had already been used to build the golden calf. Uh, <clears throat> and so, the question that we all have to deal with, especially myself, and I'm sure most of you, is <clears throat> can I think of an instance in my own life or instances where uh, when I have missed out on contributing to God's work, to kingdom work, because I spent my resources on an idol, okay? Have I wanted something so bad, you know, obsessed over it so much and fin- finally had the opportunity, I went out and spent a lot of money for it. And then a need came up, Okay or an opportunity came up to make a contribution to the kingdom work and I spent the money on an idol you know Uh, doesn't mean that that we shouldn't enjoy the blessings from God but it does mean that we need to evaluate our priorities and um, because we all deal with idols in the end, we're all idolaters at some point over certain things, okay? And, that's, and I find myself moving from one idol to the next. As soon as I think I've put one idol away, another one pops up, okay? And it doesn't always have to be money, you know? Maybe a person is exhausted because, you know, they, they went on some kind of a, a, a of an activity that, you know, just wore them out. And then maybe an opportunity came up or a need came up where somebody really needed some help physically, physical working, and the person was too exhausted to go do anything because they'd basically, I think I wouldn't want, I'm not talking about, you know, some sinful binge of, of lewd living or something like that, but I'm talking about, you know, they just overdid it. You know, they just went beyond what the, what they knew they should have, but man, you know, I just love this stuff so much. I'm just gonna, you know, we're gonna go mudding tonight, you know. And and I got stuck up to the up to the door handles, you know, and with my four wheel drive, and I had to go had a farmer pull me out with his tractor, and you know, I didn't get back until eight o'clock this morning, and man, I'm just beat. I'm sorry, I can't show up, guys. I'm too tired. You know. Uh just you know, it doesn't have to be money. You know, our idols can be other things. Uh, you know, maybe we think that we're doing our family a favor by doing something special with the family when there is an opportunity for service. Not always should we do every opportunity for service, you know, and neglect the family, but sometimes the family can become an idol. I know people, I listen to them sometimes at work and other places where, as far as they're concerned, their children are the most important thing in their life, okay? And they will do anything and everything to make their children happy at the expense of their spouse, at the expense of their spiritual condition, you know? And and so, good things, you know, idols don't have to be golden calves, they can be good things. Anyway, enough of that uh, A free will offering is spontaneous it's plentiful, it's voluntary, and it's freely given that's I looked up what free will meant in the uh in the Hebrew, and that's what it means and I thought, well, we probably ought to circle the word "free will" in the Bible right there because I'm not <laughs> sure how many times we'll see it <laughs> I don't know uh, <laughs> uh so, what's the perspective behind generous giving to the Lord's work? One of my favorite prayers in the Old Testament is David's prayer that he prayed right before uh, they, were, they were dedicating the materials that they'd, they'd collected to build the temple. You know, David wasn't going to build the temple, but he did, a, he did a lot of work in getting the materials together to build the temple so his son Solomon could build it. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29… Uh, or sorry, First Chronicles chapter twenty. If y'all will turn there, because this, I, I want y'all to read this prayer. It, it's, it is, it kind of makes chills go up my spine when I read this prayer, because it's, because you can just see the heart of David. You know, David was a sinful man, just like he was sinful, just like all of us. But, uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's, it is uh, First Chronicles chapter twenty nine, and it starts in verse 10 but this as we read this prayer and I'm not going to read the whole thing but I'm going to read most of it the the perspective behind giving generous giving to the Lord is in here In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow. And there is no abiding. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people. And direct their hearts toward you, and the prayer goes on. It's a little bit long, more about Solomon and so forth. But, but just you know, that prayer is just a, it's it's a magnificent prayer about the spirit of giving to God. Uh, First, David says, "Who are we that we should be able to offer willing? And it's humility. You know, who are we? You know, we're nothing. God, your your Majesty, what are, what are we to offer to you? And then he says. He says, God, everything's yours. It's all his anyway. All we're doing is giving to him what he already owns, you know? And if we think about our own possessions, which really aren't ours, God gave them to us. We only have what we have by his hand, you know? It's a recognition of his sovereignty. And then we are strangers and sojourners before God. It's a recognition of his difference from us. We are not like God, okay? God is, is is completely different from us, okay? We're strangers and sojourners before him, okay? And then our lives are like shadows, okay? There is no abiding. In other words, we're terribly transient on this earth, okay? So it's folly to hang on to stuff. You know, there's no permanence in it. I've heard people say, "Well, you know, I don't hang on to stuff because it's it's not permanent." Well, neither are we here, okay? You've probably got a lot of stuff that after you're gone, that stuff may still be here, okay? So it's not like the stuff is going to go away, and 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 that's why it's not important. It's that we're going to go away and leave the stuff, and the stuff doesn't matter. What matters is what we go away to, which is eternity with, with God, with Christ, okay? And then we go into the last part of this after we get through the... The, the contribution and the idea of the free will gift. i got to get back to Exodus chapter 35. I keep leaving it and don't have a marker in there. It's not very smart. Okay. Starting in, if I can read that little bitty verse marker. Okay, whatever. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Ur, Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, okay? So he introduces Bezalel and he says, man, this guy, God has filled him with his spirit and he's also given him all kinds of, of abilities, gifts and abilities, okay? And then uh, and he's got this cohort whose name is Aholiab, and Aholiab is also very skilled, but it kind of looks like when you read this that Bezalel, is a, he's a leader, okay? Bezalel is kind of the head guy, okay? But they weren't going to do the job alone because it says that God gave, that God, see, yeah. He filled them with skill to do every sort of work, but he inspired them to teach, okay? God inspired them to teach, okay? So who are they going to teach? Well, they're going to teach other skilled craftsmen, but these skilled craftsmen they're going to be teaching aren't nearly as skilled as these two guys are. Okay, because they have been specially chosen by God and gifted by God to do this work. Okay, so remember, what we're building here is a house for God. Okay, and we've got specially gifted men, okay, who are going to teach others how to build this house, and they're going to build it according to the specifications that God gave them, because the one thing that God commanded them, besides don't break the Sabbath, was He commanded them, I want you to build it exactly as I have told you to build it. Okay, There's not going to be any creative uh, license here. You're going to do it exactly as I told you, okay? So, they're going to build this house. And you've got gifted men that are doing it, okay? They're going to instruct the other craftsmen in the work to build the sanctuary. There is a New Testament parallel to this, folks, okay? Okay? God has given special gifts to some for building up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4:11 through13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Okay? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Into, who, into whom the whole body, joined and held together in every joint in which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, that it builds itself up in love. Okay? So, we've got specially gifted men. Okay? Hebrews three six. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. The picture is we are God's house, okay? When he says we, you can think individually like 2 Corinthians uh, 3.16 that says, uh, uh, do you not know that your body is a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you, okay? But there's more than the individual aspect of this, there's the corporate aspect, the church, okay? We all together. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, talking about Jesus, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay? So, we are, bu- we are being built up into a, into a spiritual house, Okay? And God has appointed and gifted certain people to help us do that, to be built up. Okay? So there's a parallel to the building of the tabernacle by skilled men who taught others and the church. Because building the tabernacle was not a one or two man job. Okay? These two guys didn't just do it all themselves, it took a lot of people to build the tabernacle. And it takes a lot of us to be a church, okay? Uh, Here's a final thought. You look at somebody like Bezalel, and in today's terms, you look at somebody who's extremely gifted in doing the work of of the kingdom. And we can have certain reactions to that. We can either be thankful, or we might be motivated out of guilt to do more. Well, I'm not doing as much as he is. I need to get busy. I need to try to, I need to work harder. I need to do more. I need to try to do some of this over here because he does that and I'm not doing that, you know? Uh, So we're motivated out of guilt or out of jealousy. We might become jealous, okay? We might question God. God, why'd you make me like this? Why didn't you give me the gifts that you gave him or her? You know, why am I... My gifts seem so insignificant. I'm not even sure what my gift is, you know? Or we might fail to see how God has gifted us, gifted us to do His work. If you read Romans 12, Paul addressed this problem in the Corinthians, in, in, uh, uh, not in the Corinthians, but he, he addressed the problem of the gifts in Romans 12, the fact that every gift is important. The big toe is important as the eye is important, you know, as as the arm or the hand is important, okay? Everything has to work together. And so, we need to be encouraged. When we see somebody who's tremendously gifted, we can learn from them. You know, if we see somebody who's a mature in the faith, Paul told uh, the church to imitate him, okay? Not that they were supposed to try to be just like Paul, but when they see good qualities in Paul, godly qualities that they should, you know, aspire to those godly godly qualities, okay? Not that they need to be able to preach in a certain way or teach in a certain way, but when you see godly qualities, man, you know, God, I I desire to be godly, and that person displays godliness that I I aspire to, okay? Uh, So we all have gifts to contribute to the body, That's the final thought, and it's 7 o'clock, and I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have a plan, a divine plan for us as your church and as individuals, Lord, that you have gifted us, that you have designed uh, your church so that It is built up by people who are gifted in certain ways. Just as the men who built the tabernacle uh, during the Exodus, Lord, were gifted in certain ways to build and to teach, Lord, you have done the same thing uh, in the church. Father, I pray that we would all be submissive and in subjection to that plan, and that our hearts would be uh, tuned to you in worship. And that we would be generous in our giving, that we be generous not only in our material giving, but also in giving of our time and our other resources. Help us to keep our priorities focused and straight as they should be. In Jesus' name. Amen.